Hello and welcome. Today we are talking about emotional processing, which, uh, if you're anything like me, is an incredibly vital part of life. Um, I know that I have learned to turn away from certain feelings, certain types of feelings. I learned that a long time ago and carried that through life. And, and so learning how to turn towards those feelings and even just big feelings themselves, which can be really disorienting regardless of whether I'm trying to turn away from them or turn towards them. Um, yeah, learning how to feel all the feelings, to turn towards the feelings I've avoided and unravel the mystery there and become a more empowered person emotionally is incredibly fun, beautiful, meaningful. It's just a very worthwhile pursuit. And today I want to try and succinctly share what, uh, what I kind of am conceiving of as three pillars of emotional processing. Not a technique, not a modality, not anything very simple, but kind of like three broad, essential uh, pillars that we can take into the, the long journey of developing a more intelligent relationship with our emotions and processing big feelings in the present or unresolved feelings that are trapped in us from the past. And I want to start by sharing a story that took place a number of years ago um, during a season of pretty intense introspective emotional work in my life. Uh, I was engaging in quite rigorous daily meditation and emotional excavation sessions. And uh, I remember during like a month uh, at this point in my life, there was this memory that kept on resurfacing again and again during my these meditation or introspection sessions. And uh, when it started surfacing, I would just be with my eyes closed in a kind of silent meditation, just letting whatever feelings wanted to come up, come up. And this feeling kept on coming up of this sadness. And this memory was attached to it when I let myself kind of go into the sadness and express it and ask it questions. And the memory was um, from when I was five years old. And at the time, when I was five, my family and I, we lived in a very rural area. And we took a trip one weekend to the big city, to Vancouver, where I actually live now. And um, during this trip, we stayed with my aunt and uncle in their very fancy, beautiful new house. And uh, I think it was for like a, a relative's birthday or anniversary, some, some big family gathering. And uh, my parents, I'm sure, were very... Um, overwhelmed and stressed at traveling with three young children to the city and then being around their big extended family with all the complexities of that. Um, what I was excited about for this trip was uh, that I, I had a little wallet. It was probably the first wallet I ever owned because I was five years old. And in the wallet, there was my life savings up to that point in my short life. And it totaled about $50, give or take, something in, in that range. And to me, at that point, 
$50 was a significant fortune. That was serious money for my five-year-old self. And, um, yeah, my plan was, because we lived in a very rural area, I was bringing this money, and I was going on a shopping spree. Like, we were going to be in the city. I could go to the malls and buy the cool kids stuff. Primarily toys, I would guess, given (laughs) my interests. Maybe, like, a hat, some cool sports team hat or something. I didn't know. All I knew is that I had this small fortune, and I was very excited to be able to go spend it on something exciting and cool. And, um... I think the first morning after spending a night at my aunt and uncle's house, I couldn't find my wallet because I think we were maybe going to go to the mall that day or something, Um, but I couldn't find the wallet. And I looked through all my stuff feverishly again and again, and it wasn't there. And I searched the whole room that I was staying in, and I asked my brothers, I asked my cousins, I asked everybody. I searched high and low, couldn't find it. Eventually... I just started to sink in that, well, it's not where I remember putting it there and it's just not there. Maybe I lost it and it's actually gone. And slowly the reality sunk in that my wallet and my fortune had been lost. And I remember going to my parents and they, I think they were pretty preoccupied with everything that was going on. And they just said, Miles, you got to be more careful with your stuff next time. That's what happens. And uh, to my little five-year-old heart, this loss was devastating. And that's what kept on surfacing when I went into these meditation sessions. And uh, it, hap- it, it kept on surfacing again and again and again. And it, it was, there was so much emotion every time. It's like I could feel this five-year-old coming just with tears in him and this lump in his throat and a lump in my throat because I was feeling him inside of my body. And eventually, during one of these meditations, it resurfaced again, the feelings, the memory, the presence of that five-year-old and his feelings. And something clicked in me and I thought, wait a minute, I can do something about this. Like, why have I just been navel-gazing at these feelings when I can just do something for him. And it was like a fire was lit in me and I was kind of upset at myself for not noticing this earlier. It's as though I had been, well, it's as though this five-year-old part of me was waiting for a gracious adult to take care of him. And I had just joined in on his waiting instead of noticing that, wait a minute, I'm an adult now, I can do this. Like, And so I jumped up threw a jacket on, and headed to the nearest mall. And when I got there, uh, I was keeping this five-year-old in my consciousness. So it's like we got there. And when we got to the mall, we went to a department store, we went to the wallet section, and I started looking at wallets. And I tried to, instead of asking from the perspective of the adult Miles, who might be looking at wallets for practical reasons and price reasons, I asked this five-year-old in my awareness, which wallet do you want? This is for you, buddy. And he saw one that looked really cool, this sleek, small, elegant wallet, which I still have and is falling apart in my pocket because (laughs) I've had it for quite a few years now. Um, He picked a wallet, I bought it, and then I went and got $50 out of an ATM and put it in there. And that was 
an offering to him. This $50 was for him. And it was a, a, a gesture of understanding and compassion for what he was feeling, that loss that he hadn't yet let go of. And it was me saying, hey man, I'm taking care of you. I've got your back. We can let go of that now. You've got it. I've got you. And the shift in the feeling was, I mean, the, the whole experience itself was so enjoyable and beautiful, but I, the emotional shift that happened was significant, and I felt the reverberations of it in my inner world for months to follow. Um, yeah, and I, and I like to tell that story because uh, it's actually in my book, How to Open the Heart, which I've got a copy of right here. It's a tattered, my tattered copy of How to Open the Heart. I, t I tell a story in that book because it's kind of an illustration of, um, well, it's definitely a clear illustration of the inner child. Um, but it, for the purposes of today's talk, it really illustrates some of these pillars of emotional processing that I wanted to share. And the pillars are, um, and these are not like, um, very well-defined, rigorous, narrow. I'm not offering a technique here. I'm just offering some like loose guidelines that you can take into emotional um, understanding and working with and listening to and developing a relationship with emotions. Uh, the first of these is to listen to the feeling, to create space, to turn towards the feeling. And then the second is to explore, express, to feel the feeling, to give it a voice, to uh, allow it to express so that it can kind of discharge and release some of the pent-up energy it might be carrying. And then the, the third of these principles is um, to nurture, to love, to support, to protect, to validate, um, to give the feeling a corrective experience if it's been hurt, to hold the truth for it, if there's things it's believing about itself or life that aren't true, but that are rooted in a feeling that is real. Um, and in the first of those, uh, the listening, I accomplished that in that story by just creating these spaces every day of very focused introspection. I would just close my eyes, no distractions, full presence. The intention is just to feel the feelings and be with the feelings. And I don't think that a person has to do that in order to process emotions. Um, I just think that there needs to be a certain quality of presence to listen to ourselves. And of course, we live in, a, in an era, in a culture, um, where distraction and and a lack of presence is quite normal. Uh, and for me, these days, the most kind of focused periods of, of um, emotional processing that I do day to day usually occur on my morning walk. Every morning I go for a walk without my phone. I think that's what makes the walk amazing, is that it's a period of my day, every day, for an hour to an hour and a half, where I go into nature, I'm around trees, I'm just silent with myself, and there's no distraction from presence, other than my own mind, of course, which can do a great job, but 
just going out into nature and walking, I can get into a quality of presence without a lot of effort or trying. Um, that I think something about the physical movement itself and, uh, and being in nature, there's just a combination of factors that make that a daily practice, a daily ritual for me, where I get to really be present with what's going on inside of me. Um, so I think in general, processing our emotions requires creating a space where we can feel them and where we can turn toward them instead of turning away from them. If I had the phone on me, I might use it to turn away from the feelings without even really wanting, without even thinking to myself, oh, I don't want to feel. It's just like it's like eating candy or something, you know? It's just, uh, I think I'm going to do this instead of feel the sacred magic of my emotional experience, you know? Because <laughs> feeling the feelings, sometimes it can be painful, sometimes it can hurt, sometimes it can be confusing, but it's also a gateway to a very beautiful, sacred, magical experience of life. Um, and I would dare say that most of the activity I engage in on my phone is not that. <laughs> it can be interesting. I can learn things. I can connect with people. But more often than not, it's a very low-grade quality of experience that I have. Um, so, yeah, the first step is just listening, creating space, turning towards the feeling. And the second is to experience, ex to feel the feeling, to express the feeling in some way. That can be very helpful. Now, this is not, I'm not offering an one, two, three steps to emotional processing because you don't actually need to do any of these steps. You might just do step one and an emotion shifts. It processes naturally by taking some time to just be there and turn towards it. Oh my God, that feeling just, I just, it just shifted. Or you might just express a feeling by sitting down and journaling. I have this intense feeling, I just want to scribble it out. So you're expressing the feeling. You're also turning towards it and creating space, but it's not a contemplative thing, it's an expressive thing. Um... Yeah, and a great teacher articulated this step to me years ago as giving in a voice. He said, Miles, when you have a big feeling that you don't understand or that feels stuck and trapped in you, um, start expressing it. Just start giving it a voice and don't censor the voice. Even though, even if it says things that you think are like ludicrous, give it a voice. Express it. It's a feeling. So the feeling is true. It's an energy. It's an emotion. It's a thing. It's a phenomenon. Whatever it believes may be completely inaccurate. But right, but first thing you want to do is just start expressing it without censor, raw, authentic. Um, and this is all of these steps if someone has or all of these principles, if someone has a history of mental illness, um, if they have a history of trauma, if they're new to introspective work, inner work, meditation, um, these are all things that can be really helpful to have some support with, whether it's with a trustworthy friend, a counselor, a therapist. Um, I would encourage people to 
access support and resources if they're available. If you're walking into these waters and they're uncharted waters and you have um, additional challenges that you're bringing in with you. Yeah, access the access good help. Get someone to hold your hand because emotions can be big. They can be disorienting. They can be unsettling. And when you turn towards feelings, um, when you've been turning away from them from a long time, it can be very helpful to have someone hold your hand initially and say, hey, hey, I've got you here. And then eventually you learn to be the one that holds that hand. And that's what emotional processing is. We learn eventually to regulate ourselves, to nurture ourselves. But it, it can be extremely vital to have some help and support as you're walking into this. Or, the, or all the time. I mean, there's, yeah, it's, it's good to have help and support. Um, but yeah, the second, I'm getting uh, distracted. The second pillar is to express, to give it a voice. And that can be achieved through journaling. That could be achieved through just verbal, like just coughing out words. That's what I would do like during the story, like the period of my life where that story that I shared occurred. I would just sit alone in a room with my eyes closed let those kind of feelings come up and then just start giving it a voice because that's what I was learning at the time. Emotional processing, this is what someone told me. Just give it a voice. Don't censor it. Be a stream of consciousness. Don't believe that any, don't believe what comes out of your mouth and uh, don't censor it. And so I would just sit there and say, I feel this sadness. Oh, I feel the sadness. It feels like I'm five years old. It's like a ball in my throat. I feel like no one's paying attention to me. And then I would ask the feeling questions and then verbalize the answers um, without self-consciousness, without any idea that what I was expressing had to be right or could be wrong. It was just playing. It was just playing around. And, um, and I think for a lot of people, things like um, journaling, like just stream of consciousness journaling, can be really, really helpful on this level. Uh, drawing. There was a period where I ex- explored just like using crayons and just drawing out th- things that I was struggling with emotionally, just drawing boundaries when I needed boundaries in little scenes of stick figures. Um, and yeah, there's, and obviously, one great way of expressing and giving our feelings a voice is doing that in the company of a trusted friend, a peer, a counselor, a mentor, somebody who has a compassionate, safe presence. Um, yeah, and with that expression, um, there can be a great deal of processing the emotion can process and change and evolve a lot just when we give it a voice in the right circumstance the final of these three principles is to give the feeling nurturance love protection um, validation to give it a corrective experience if it's have a if it's had a hurtful experience, to hold the truth for it if there's things it's believing about itself or life that don't that don't feel true. Um, this one was what 
came at the end of the story that I shared. I had turned toward the feeling. I had probably done the expression or giving it a voice just by sitting alone in a room and kind of, you know, starting to talk it out and um, ask myself questions and say, okay, well, why do I feel this sadness? Oh, it feels like no one cares about me. Oh, and, and then this memory comes up as I ask the questions. And then once I explore that memory, I begin to realize, wait a minute, there's something I can do about this right now. I put on a coat and I go and buy a little wallet and it's of and it's this beautiful ceremonious experience of great emotional significance to this very beautiful innocent part of me and it's a part of me entering into a healthy relationship with that part of me that I had turned away from because his feelings were so tender and raw and vulnerable and it's and it's that paradox of vulnerability being the bedrock of great strength because by accepting that vulnerable voice back into my awareness i get to be a grown ass man and go take care of him and show him tenderness and love and compassion in this adult form that i've grown into and so yeah to me this step it took me some beating around the bush to figure out the step and i tell the story in my book um but it took a while for me to understand that sometimes it's not enough just to stir up a painful feeling. Sometimes I actually have to do something to care for the feeling. I have to do something to correct the, the imbalance. I have to do something life-affirming to go into a part of myself that sees life as bleak because it thinks that the story ended with something that was just a loss. And I get to show it that no, 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 the story doesn't end there. I'm going to add another chapter to the story right now. We're going to go do something awesome and life-affirming that shows you that you're worthy of love and you're sacred and you're awesome. And, um, and then... And, and that can occur in a way that's kind of like material and uh, tangible, the way it did in the story that I shared. Like I literally, I, I didn't just do some positive affirmations for this hurting part of myself. I went out and, and gave him a three-dimensional experience of nurturance. And sometimes inner, like healing inner talk feels like it is what's needed. And other times, and one of those real-life corrective experiences um, can feel more powerful. And the final thing I'll say about this principle or step um, is, again, um, sometimes nurturing the feeling involves holding truth for it. It means um, correcting misperceptions. For example, in that story, that five-year-old, that five-year-old part of me believed that losing that money, it felt this devastating blow and that money is just something that goes away and it's sad and it's bleak. And I had the opportunity to show him that, hey, that was sad. That did suck. And money is like a stream in this world. It's very replaceable. 
It's very, 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 very replaceable. And let me show you how replaceable it is. I'm going to give that back to you. <laughs> and yes, it hurts when we lose things. It does. And we should grieve our losses. But we also need to remember that there's a bigger picture, a bigger perspective, and that makes life bearable. The money you lost, you can go into the world and get it back again and again and again and again. And you can lose it again and you can get it again. And all of that stuff is okay. That's just life. Um, so holding the truth sometimes means holding a bigger perspective for parts of ourselves. Acknowledging the feeling, the genesis of the feeling. Um, giving a corrective experience sometimes. Sometimes just being like a divine big brother or big sister. And just being able to hold some wisdom and beauty and compassion and understanding. Um, I think that's all for today. I wanted to keep this succinct. I'm not sure how succinct I kept it. And these are not meant to be rigid, um, linear steps or anything. I just wanted to share what feel like some of the guiding lights in my, uh, in my own experience exploring and processing big feelings. I hope you enjoyed this. If you did, I'd love to hear from you. Let me know. I love getting feedback. Um, if you're interested in finding out more about my book, How to Open the Heart, an incredible journey into vulnerability, empathy, and the transformation of consciousness, you will find links in the description. You'll also find links to my social media, to my website. Um, yeah, I hope you enjoyed this. And until next time, I hope you have a beautiful day.